It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day. Good evening, whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, we hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Fight TV. That's right. You want to watch a fight, but it ain't on your television dial? Don't worry about it. Go to Fight TV. And better yet, go to BillyCBoxing.com because we have the embedded player for Fight TV right on the front page. That's right. You can watch uh, fights that you can't see, whether they're free or pay-per-view. They'll be available uh, on Fight TV, and you can watch them right on the front page of BillyCBoxing.com. And while you're there, make sure you download the free Billy C app so you can watch or listen to the show wherever you go. Check out BillyCBoxing.com for all the information. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molinar from Bondage. The Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of it right now. While you're watching or listening to this show, just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Looking to get a signed copy? Don't worry about it. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Jeremy put it all over the place, so just click it. Make sure uh, when you uh, do do that, that in the uh, instructions that you put what, how you want it signed. Uh, if you leave it up to me, I will do that too. No problemo. Um, coming up a little bit later on the show, we're going to have uh, Boxing Hall of Famer, New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, same guy, and my main man, Larry Hazard, join us. So uh, don't go anyways for that. Um, also, uh, today, I, I want to talk about a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, Jarrell Baby Miller shooting off his mouth again. And, and, and I want to take a look. Uh, at this guy uh, now we're going to break down uh, and, and the fights and, and give you our predictions later in the week for the fights that are scheduled this week and don't forget programming no no live show tomorrow um, but uh, you know I, I'm, I'm really sick of of how things work out nowadays in the sport of boxing you know uh, basically the squeaky wheel gets to fight 
And it's, you know, we talk about this all the time on the show, how it's not fair for a young fighter who's on his way up, training, working hard, listening to his trainer, uh, listening to the people around him, you know, hard work, hard work, hard, and then all of a sudden, bam, somebody passes him by, a retread, if you will, uh, or a guy like Baby Miller. And, I, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but today's main topic, you know, we got a big fight this week on the return of Daniel Jacobs uh, after his uh, uh, tough, tough loss to Triple G. Um, a lot of people thought he might have won that fight. Uh, it was definitely a, an entertaining fight, and uh, Daniel Jacobs proved a lot to everyone, including myself. Uh, but he's back in the ring uh, after that loss, and he's stepping in with Luis Arias. Arias uh, is a uh, decent fighter. Uh, my, my question today, can Luis Arias pull off the upset? Daniel Jacobs looks like he's getting better and better and better. He's bigger. He's stronger. Uh, he's ranked higher. He's had tougher opposition. Can Luis Arias beat this guy can he pull the upset joining me right now from st simon's is my man sal rocky senecola good morning sal good morning bill how are you today buddy not too bad not too bad hey before we uh, get rolling here i, I just got to give you uh, uh, a heads up you know it's funny I, when i get a chance i like to you know look over some comments and stuff people make on on the different uh, uh places that you can watch or listen to the show sure. and, I, and i caught a a comment I can't re recall where it was, um, but uh, somebody said to me, hey, Billy C., how, how come you cut off Sal doing a, the Batman thing at the end of the show? You know, and it's, I just want, first of all, I don't cut him off. Uh, you know, sometimes with the, uh, with the I, I know the podcast, sometimes that they don't get all of the ends that you do. And, and depending upon the stream, whether it's uh, the simulcast, we do do a simulcast on Facebook, and they don't get the whole show. That's not the real video version of the show. Uh, but uh, I found that kind of funny. And people, uh, you know, they're waiting for that. They, you know, now they're looking well, forward hey, to your Batman. Why not? You know, we do have uh, the newly implemented, you know, remember Batman when Robin or Batman would hit their enemy and you'd see the cartoon. They go, wow, pow, bam. You know, and that's all I do at the end of it. I, I give a final toot on this little horn and not related to Jeffrey, and then I throw it up, and I come at you, bam, 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 and we have a good time, and I sit there and smile till you say, we're Cut. off air, <laughs> yeah, but they don't see all that, they don't see it, and in case you guys are all wondering, oh, wait, 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 how about this line, are we off air, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, well, my question today is, Luis Arias uh, is, uh, you know, Cuban fighter, uh, living in uh, the U.S. now. Um, he's ranked number 17 in the world uh, at the middleweight division. And he steps in the ring this weekend uh, going up against uh, Daniel Jacobs, who, you know, both of us uh, feel has uh, really uh, come into his own. Um, does he have a chance at beating Danny Jacobs or what? Well, hey, I, I can't be a hypocrite or, or contradictive in any time I say any given night. It's possible. I mean, you know, Daniel Jacobs almost uh, upset a legend and a uh, living legend at this point. But I'll tell you what, Daniel Jacobs is a tough, tough guy. And uh, he's got one of the best cut men in his corner as well. But we, uh, we uh, learn how to appreciate Daniel Jacobs. He's capable of boxing, punching, moving. Guy has a good set of arsenal behind him. And uh, he's going to be a very hard fighter to beat. But I'm not saying it's impossible. 
depends on what style, what kind of fight this guy brings to the table, brings to the ring. He's got to be able to, to get inside of Jacobs. He's got to be able to move. I think his best uh, approach would be hitting him in the body. And uh, it's got to be curious to see, too, because, you know, not not every fighter after they fight uh, Triple G is ever the same fighter. Uh, you know, it just that fight could take a lot out of you. Any fight could take a lot out of you. But I think Daniel Jacobs has plenty of wars left. He's a gamer. He's a winner. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing Daniel Jacobs in the ring anytime. And I think it's going to be a tough fight, but uh, anything is possible during, for, uh, during the course of a fight. You know, I think you make a great point about fighters uh, losing a little in the ring when they fight Triple G. Uh, Luis Arias is, is uh, you know, I, I mean, he's not, he's not a cupcake. I mean, uh, oh, he's you know, he's the, a gamer, the, the, man. The, computer, the computer ranks him at number 17, which is, you know, considering Daniel Jacobs is number four. Um, you know, and, and, and Daniel Jacobs coming off his loss, you would think that it, it, at least seemingly with fighters today, they come off a loss and uh, they get, you know, they put, get put in with, you know, somebody that shouldn't even be in the, in the same ring with them. And I'm going to be talking about Jarrell Baby Miller a little bit later on the show. And, um, you know, a, a guy like him uh, who um, uh, really hasn't fought anybody uh, you look at uh, a guy like Bryant Jennings as well, uh, getting blown away by Luis Ortiz, and then his next fight uh, is against a, a, a cupcake. Daniel Jacobs steps in the ring with Triple G, and he takes on Luis Arias, and Arias is no slouch. Now, when you take a look at Arias' uh, uh, resume here, you know he, he is a couple of years younger than Daniel Jacobs, and he certainly has less fights than Daniel Jacobs. Uh, he's only got 18 pro fights. Daniel Jacobs has 34. Uh, but uh, but they are the same size, roughly. And, you know, when you take a look at Arias' record, you know, he can box. And so can Daniel Jacobs, of course. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see how big Daniel Jacobs steps into the ring. As we all know, he yes. was uh, pretty huge against he's Triple light G. Heavyweight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, against Triple G. Now, he weighed in. He weighed in okay. They did uh, juggle around the way in times. But uh, uh, when I look at Luis Arias, uh, the two guys that stand out to me anyway on his resume that would suggest that he gives Danny Jacobs a go uh, is uh, back in 2016 in June, he fought Jorge Silva. Now, if you look at Jorge Silva's record at that time, 21 wins, 10 losses, and a couple of draws, you would think um, that... Uh, you know, he's not a, a dangerous fighter, but he was. And, um, you know, Arias made quick work of him, stops him in three rounds. Uh, he did fight some other decent opponents, Daryl Cunningham, Scott Sigmund, uh, after that fight. But his last fight against Arif uh, Magadamav, um, he stopped him in five in Vegas. You know, I, I think, and that was, uh, you know, this year in June. Um, so, so I think his activity level may help him in this. I, I think he would have to try to outbox Danny Jacobs, but that's going to be hard. Daniel Jacobs got some hand speed, and he definitely has pop. Uh, the knock on Daniel Jacobs was that maybe he has a weak chin, but he showed uh, against Triple G that he withstood uh, you know, the power punching of Triple G all the way to the last round. He did get dropped, but, uh, but that was it. He got up and, and finished the fight. And like I said, a lot of people thought he won. I think this is a good fight because... If Daniel Jacobs dominates Arias, 
it's basically a statement that says, I'm here. Uh, but if Arias gives him any kind of trouble, this really helps Luis Arias' uh, uh, career. Whether he loses this fight or not, I think it's going to catapult him. What do you think? Oh, I think you're 100% correct. I think where he stands in the rankings, number eight, would you say 18 or so? Se- se- well, no. I, think- I-, I go by the computer because yeah, the computer. obviously right, right, obviously right. the sanctioning bodies are all skewed. Yes. But by the computer looks at him at number 17. Okay. But here's the thing. The guy's getting an opportunity to show the world what he has. He's going against a, a top-notch contender who could beat most of the fighters, most contenders, most champions out there. And if he looks respectable, if he goes the distance, if he does what he has to do to to gain the respect of Daniel Jacobs and he brings the fight to him, I think a body attack, I think slipping inside, I think cutting off the ring, those are all going to be instrumental on his approach to Daniel Jacobs. Because as you pointed out, Daniel Jacobs does have the skill level to box and to move and to land his punches at will. So this guy's got to get inside. He's got to bang him to the body. He's got to slow him down. He's got to cut the ring off on him. And he's got to bring the punches up from the body to the head inside. So I think it's going to be a good fight. But if this guy looks respectable, this guy uh, draws a line in the sand and, and gets his attention, uh, Daniel Jacobs, hey, guess what? He just increased his marketability. He just increased his value. And he just increased his uh, future purses. You know, um, if you... I'm curious to know what you guys think. Does uh, Luis Arias have a shot at uh, upsetting the apple cart? I mean, Daniel Jacobs seems to be in the driver's seat um, in the middleweight division as soon as the Triple G Canelo fight is settled. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see Jacobs somehow uh, getting back into that top-tier mix. Can Luis Arias upset the apple cart? Drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Like I said, we will be breaking down this fight and giving you our predictions uh, later in the week. Uh, So uh, I'd like to hear yours in the meantime. Um, Some other stuff I wanted to talk about today, Sal. You know, we've been talking extensively about the potential showdown between uh, Anthony Joshua and uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, you know, coming off both of their fights a week apart. Uh, AJ didn't look all that spectacular against Carlos Takam. And uh, on the contrary, Deontay Wilder looked uh, very spectacular uh, against uh, uh, against his opponent, Bermain Stavern, last weekend, even considering what a, a lot of people feel was a, 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 a lack of effort. Let's just let, let's be kind and say a lack of effort. It was a layup. On, let's on say. A, it, on, was, it was a lay down. It was a, a lot of people think it was, it was a layup. Lay but, 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 but regardless, <laughs> I, I feel I feel I have to give Wilder credit. Um, and, and and I told you why. I, what has changed my getting stance. Get him out of there quickly. Well, cause well. Because he would have stunk the whole show. Right. I mean, not only let's taking care of business the way he should have. But I, I, I really buy into uh, Deontay Wilder's uh, honest feeling that he wants to see if he's the best. And, and I have gained so much respect for him from that one little sentence, whether he meant it as, as seriously and sincerely as I took it or whether it just slipped out of his mouth. Either way, either way it, means a lot to, it means a lot to me. You know? but, uh, but anyway, in the meantime, 
Now, we all talked, especially yesterday, we were talking about should that fight happen now? You know, should we have to wait? And uh, it was announced yesterday that um, apparently Joseph Parker, who was on the uh, short list for potential opponents for Anthony Joshua, uh, has come out and said that the two camps are actually in discussions for this fight uh, to possibly happen prior to Deontay Wilder. And uh, Parker had some uh, comments to say concerning this yesterday. He said, there is an interest in from the Joshua camp, which is why we're uh, talking to them right now. He's my preferred oppo- opinion. Uh, I'm sorry, opponent. <laughs> uh, everyone wants to, okay, uh, I, I need glasses. Uh, everyone wants <laughs> to fight him. But I honestly think in his last performance, he didn't look that great. I didn't look the best in my last performance either because of the style I had in front of me. Actually, you could make that excuse for AJ if you want. But anyway, he says, I think his style matches mine perfectly. And I honestly think I can knock him out. My gut tells me it's a 50-50 fight. Our team really wants it. We're 100% into the fight. On their side, I'm not so sure. There's a lot of talk there, and it's hard to gauge. I think for Joshua and his team, it shouldn't be about the money. It should be about the legacy and trying to unify uh, the belts and seeing who the best is. Uh, They can easily take a voluntary fight and make big money. But for us, I think they should pay us a bit more because I have a belt. I'm not scared of anyone. Uh, They may be big giants, and I respect Wilder's power, but I think they're both beatable. Everyone wants to know who the best is. I want to know who the best is. That's why I want to fight these guys. Now, that sounds That's great. That's a good quote, too. It sounds like you took it from the Wilder handbook. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think these guys, I think they're, I think they're guys. Of, uh, they're, somebody's <laughs> writing not. them. Somebody's writing these, these quotes for both of them. Uh, listen, <laughs> uh, and, and, and you, know, you know what line I highlight the most uh, in this quote is the line that says, but for us, I think they should pay us a bit more because I have a belt. You know, and, and and before that, he says, I don't think they should do it for the money. I think they should do it for the for the legacy, right? And 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 I say to myself, wait a minute. You know, that's okay. Everybody says, you know, us as boxing purists, we want the legacy. We want we want everything done for the legacy. We want the history, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, I can't uh discard the fighter who wants to make the most money that they possibly can. And here this guy is contradicting himself, saying, hey, AJ should fight me for the legacy. Forget about the money. Uh, but <laughs> on the other hand, they should open up their checkbook a little more and give me a little more Wait. money so I can pay, you know, so I'll accept the fight. What's your thoughts on this? Because this is the same exact scenario, just as you suggest, <laughs> that's coming out of Deontay's mouth. Um, I mean, when do you say when? When do you well, say yeah, you know, I'm taking so the fight? I, I think I think we could look at that statement a couple of directions. And what it could be, well, I think AJ should do it for the legacy of boxing. And by the way, I should make more money, which means if he's doing it for the legacy of boxing, he doesn't need to t- take all that big money. <laughs> they should they should allocate it to me. I think that could have been uh, looked at or interpreted that way as well. Uh, the bottom line is that that is that is kind of comical that uh, it did follow with uh, with uh, with uh, we know that Wilder said as well. I almost called him Gene Wilder, but uh, I, I think that 
you know, we, uh, we're, it's, it's, it's turning into a heated lamp here, I'm telling you. And why? Because, as I said, a fighter is only as good as his last fight. And when you see some things and you're looking from the outside in, as everyone was looking at Joshua during that fight, maybe they saw a flaw. Maybe they saw this. Just like uh, uh, Takem uh, knew that he had to, uh, you know, try to establish something early, which he couldn't do. But, uh, um, I mean, it, people look at fighters, and they'll look at something that they can, as an opponent, as a potential opponent, and they'll say, well, you know what? He's doing this. I could do that better. I could go over here. I could make this happen. I could take him out to that round or do this. And so what I'm just saying is fighters who will see Joshua and want to potentially fight Joshua will look at something that, that was exposed that they think they, they can capitalize on. And that's what's happening now. You know, I, listen, here, here's here, before I finish, and then we got to take a break here, Lucas Brown. Now, Lucas Brown, in case y'all forgot, you know, and that was that top top hit by, uh, you know, Roy Jones Jr. Um, in case y'all forgot, Lucas Brown was the WBA regular heavyweight champion and then lost yeah. his title because he tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. And he's kind of been in a hole somewhere. Um, and rumor has it that uh, he, he did fight, uh, by the way, he did uh, have a fight uh, recently anyway. Um, but... Um, Rumor has it that Lucas Brown will be uh, Joseph Parker's next opponent. Uh, and um, they said that, uh, uh, you know, when, when asked, uh, when Lucas Brown's team was asked, they said, uh, Lucas said, I've heard that Parker's trainer, his promoters, matchmaker, have all said yes to our fight, no problem. But Parker himself is holding up the fight. As far as Lucas Brown's promoter, Matt Clark, he said, they offered us the deal. We agreed. We're ready to go. We signed. So if the fight doesn't happen, it's really on Joseph Parker. I, I think Joseph Parker is trying to weigh out his options, Sal. Um, I, I think Joseph Parker is, um, you know, trying to get the fight with AJ, uh, and he's trying to get as much money as he possibly can, just like uh, Deontay is. But... You know, it's similar, and I'm not comparing the two, of course, because of, you know, the, the, the complete body of work. But right. in a way, it's similar to Floyd Mayweather being able to call all the shots in his fights, uh, at least for the last decade. You know, he's the guy. He's the draw. He's the guy that people want to fight. He's the guy who makes the decision who he fights. Well, similarly, uh, AJ is that guy. AJ is the moneymaker. AJ is the draw. AJ gets to pick out who he fights. And guys like Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker are in a position where they're trying to get the most to step in the ring. And they're going to have, a, like you said, a, a line in the sand. They're going to accept X amount or not. And then AJ says, uh, you know, later for you, I go a different route. Hold that thought because I got another little twist in a potential showdown between... AJ and Joseph Parker or AJ and uh, um, his next opponent, whoever that is. But how about Joseph Parker by not fighting AJ, not even fighting Lucas Brown, but fighting another heavyweight, and his name isn't Deontay Wilder. Hold that thought. I'll be back in two. Billy C. will be right back. 
Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, before we went to break, I was talking about, uh, you know, the he said, she said between uh, uh, Joseph Parker and, you know, Anthony Joshua's camps. And then, uh, of course, uh, Lucas Brown chimed in because he wants to fight Parker for his title. Um, And I promised Sal that when I came back, I I was going to throw another wrench into the pile. Well, how about this? Bob Arum who is now the promoter of Bryant Jennings. Now, I I was a big fan of Bryant Jennings. Uh, You know, he's small. He reminded me of or reminds me of a combination of Evander Holyfield and Michael Spinks. He fights a little awkwardly. He's small. He goes in there. He's always in good shape. He's got great recuperative powers. And, you know, I've always liked the kid. Um, I, I just didn't think that he would be able to compete with the size difference of the, these monster heavyweights uh, that are out there now. He, he barely is, uh, you know, a 220-pounder, you know. Uh, but Bryant Jennings got destroyed. I happen to have been ringside by Luis Ortiz. was destroyed by Luis Ortiz. It was arguably the best performance I witnessed of Luis Ortiz, and I actually called a couple of his early fights so I, I figured that's it. You know, Brian Jennings had some uh, promotional issues. He was out of the game for a little bit. And um, he signs with Bob Arum. They just gave him a fight not too long ago against a, uh, a human punching bag. He won the fight. Um, now Bob Arum has offered Joseph Parker to come to the States, fight Brian Jennings for his title, and threw a bunch of money at him and even offering that the fight would be televised on ESPN. Sal, I don't mind the fight, but what bothers me is what we talked about yesterday. Here's a guy in Brian Jennings, who I like. I'm a big fan of Jennings. But how can you bypass all these other fighters, Deontay Wilder included, you know, to, to for his opportunity to unify a title? and slip Brian Jennings in there. Even if, let's say, Brian Jennings wins the fight, is he a true champ? I mean, he needs to fight somebody before he gets a fast track. What's your thoughts? Well, you, you said it right there, Bill. There, There is a... a f- you got to do something. You got to earn that fast track. You got to beat a top contender to do it. And, you know, we, we see these handshakes, these, these dinner meetings, these slip-under-the-table envelopes, and... You know, it's ridiculous. Come on. We, we, we know how the boxing game works. And these fighters should be challenging the top rungs of, uh, rungs of the ladder and and basically climb up and get into that contendership for that title shot. And you know what? In all due respect, the champion has the ability to pick anybody that's ranked in the top 10 or 15 and have a fight. But he's got to make his mandatory. The bottom line is uh, I think that the powers that may be and the fighters that can make these decisions along with their management 
should be adamant and say, hey, we're going to fight Anthony Joshua. We're going to fight Deontay Wilder. We're going to do this as a title, as a unification elimination. I like that, unification elimination. And uh, fascination. And I think that that's the way to go. And I think that that's what the fighters have to be strong and set in their ways and do it. Hey, these other fighters are not going to make the kind of money that they can make unless they fight an Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder. And then all coming to the mountain, nobody's going to make the kind of money they're going to be able to make until they fight Anthony Joshua because he is the leader of the pack, in my opinion. Well, listen, the the Bob Arum offer to uh, Joseph Parker would be in March. Um, so, you know, depending upon if Joseph Parker wants to fight before the end of this year or not, uh, you know, everything seems right now for at least the major players in the heavyweight division and, and the major players, major in, players. Well, and that's, that's key. Well, the major players in the heavyweight division right now, you know, you got AJ number one and Deontay Wilder number two, you could sprinkle Joseph Parker in there. I mean, realistically, you got to put him at number three because he has a belt. I'm not saying he's yes. the best. And then, you know, um, the other guy that's still in the mix, uh, the other two guys that are still in the mix, really, uh, would be uh, Alexander Povetkin and uh, Luis Ortiz, even though both of those two guys have been, um, you know, hampered with uh, questionable performance-enhancing drug test results. So, I mean, those are your top guys. And... You know, Lucas uh, Brown, uh, you know, former champion, he too, performance-enhancing drug issues. You know, I, he had a lot to prove as he was the champ, so I, I don't know if I put him in. Um, you know, I, I have Luis Ortiz and uh, uh, and um, Alexander Povetkin ahead of him, but the I main two, the main two players, AJ and Deontay Wilder, I mean, that that's the fight we want to see. That's the fight that's that could get the most money. And then it, now it's all going to, you know, matter. It, they're all going to decide, okay, does it make sense to make this fight now? Does it make sense to each, uh, both uh, fighters in, in AJ and Deontay Wilder to have a fight first? And if they choose to have a fight first, I, I still feel that, that your suggestion was the best. You know, have, a, have, have AJ fight um, in Parker. England. Uh, against uh, either uh, Tyson Fury or Joseph Parker, yep. and uh, have a, uh, Deontay Wilder on the undercard uh, fighting his mandatory for the WBC, Dominic Brazil. And then the two winners fight each other next sometime in the summer. That, if they don't fight each other right away, early 2018, Sal, that's the way to go. I, I, all these other guys can't be in the mix. It'll just prolong it, no. and it just devalues it, in my opinion. It does devalue. And, and you know, I would not like to see, in all due respect, Billy, I would not like to see Tyson Fury fight uh, uh, Anthony Joshua for the title in his next fight out, for Aunt Joshua's next fight out. Because I think I think we got some questions we have to have answered. And I don't think these questions should be answered in the heavyweight championship of the world fight. I think they need to be ha handled in a 10-round uh, uh non-title fight where uh, we can put him in against a, a respectable opponent and see how he does. I'm talking about Tyson Fury before he gets back in the rings, uh, uh, rungs and ladder. I think he should fight somebody in the top 10 of the world, and well, Tyson, I think that would be Tyson, respectable. I 100% agree. You can't expect Tyson for, uh, People can't expect Tyson Fury no. to just come in. And, and if they do do that, 
that's going to hurt. It's not going to hurt that's AJ's. Black guy. Well, it's not going to. It's not going to hurt Anthony Joshua's bank no. account. But it's certainly no. going to hurt his reputation because just like I'm complaining about other fighters not fighting significant opponents. You would have to criticize AJ for fighting Tyson Fury. No disrespect to Tyson Fury. No. He was the linear champ. He was a guy that beat Klitschko. He is undefeated. All those things are positive. But the negative is he's been out of the ring. He's been a, a mental case. He's 500 pounds. You know, I, listen, if he needs money, he wants a payday. Uh, you know, why not? You see, this is my hangup. Why not have the, these guys, this whole collection of guys, you separate Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Joseph Parker, and then one other guy you could uh, sprinkle in the mix, whether it be Ortiz, whether it be uh, uh, Povetkin, whatever. Those are four guys. Dominic Brazil, if you want to throw him in, those are four guys. Then all these other guys, the Joseph, uh, the the um, the Tyson Furies, uh, the Lucas Browns, uh, etc. They fight each other. And as they, they fight, fight each, each other. other, move up to earn a fight. Correct. There's no reason to give a fast-track fight to no. Bryant Jennings, who I loved, but come on. What have you shown to me lately? You, feet, you fight Luis Ortiz, he, he practically kills you in the ring, and uh, you fight a stiff, and now you get a world title shot? No, no. And, and the same is with Tyson Fury. How about Tyson Fury and Bryant Jennings fight each other? Or how Perfect. about Baby Perfect. Miller? I'm going to talk about him later. You know, shooting off his Perfect. mouth. How about him? You know, I mean, these Perfect. guys need to fight somebody before they fight AJ or Deontay. End of story, Sal. You know, and, and you just made a whole uh, scenario look even better. As I first proclaimed here earlier in the week, you know, I would love to see a showdown in England with uh, Anthony Joshua fighting uh, Joseph Parker and Deontay Wilder fighting Dominic Brazil. And how about, and like I said, Tyson Fury in that mix with some of these other guys. And I think that would be a unique and have the other guys in this mix. Just a night of heavyweights. The heavyweights collide, you know. It's going to be a collision course to the championship. But they've got to take their time and do it right and beat each other before they get the chance for the title. And, and Tyson Fury, if he got in the ring tomorrow with Joshua, Joshua's in a no-win situation. I mean, if he beats him, he beats the guy that's been out of the ring for a couple of years and is a head case and is overweight and, and this and that. And if he loses to Tyson Fury by some way, shape, or form, oh, wow, Joshua wasn't that special anyway. Uh, and look at this, Tyson. So, no, wait. Get, get that whole picture out. Tyson Fury does not belong in the ring for the heavyweight championship of the world just yet. He's got to prove himself. One fight. One fight one is fight. all it takes. That's all. That's hey, it. It's yeah, one... it's not much to ask for. No. And he can fight any one of the aforementioned fighters that you talked about earlier. Yeah, one one fight I'm okay with him back if he shows that he can do it or whatever. But uh but anyway, hey listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're scheduled to have Larry Hazard join us. Uh, Sal will get you back on a little bit later. And when Sal comes back, Sal and I are going to talk about uh, Jarrell Miller, baby Miller. Uh, this guy aggravates the hell out of me. I mean, I, you know, today's world, the squeaky wheel gets the fights, and that's what this guy is. He's one big, fat squeaky wheel, but we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Sal, go uh, fill up on your coffee, and we'll talk to you a little bit later. I can't I'm wait gonna, to hear Larry. Yeah, I'm going to take a short break. And when we come back, a boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Athletic Commissioner Larry Hadza joins us. 
So don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. So we want you to be there with Billy and me. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listen. To the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, Larry Hazard. What's up, Larry? You there, Larry? Oh, I guess we uh, guess we lost Larry. I will uh, uh, get him uh, back, and uh, we'll see what happened there. But uh, anyway, we're going to uh, throw Larry on the, on the uh, hot seat and uh, get his thoughts on... Uh, on the fight, Deontay Wilder uh, last week. So we'll see what uh, what's going on with uh, with my man Larry and uh, his thoughts. But uh, I thought we had him, but uh, we'll see. Are you there now, Larry? Excuse me? Oh, okay, good. You're there. Larry. Can I help? Yes. La- Larry, I, I, I lost you there for a minute. Hey, who is this? Billy C, man. It's your, it's your time. It's your time, man. Oh, Billy, Billy. What are you doing? Well, uh, age is a terrible thing, man. I mean, uh, you know, I, what's going on? Was Did I miss something? Were, are you tied up, my man? No, no, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? I, uh, you know, stop calling me. You got the wrong number, man. You know, it's like. <laughs> well, are, no, we on, are we on right now? Yeah, we're on. We're <laughs> yeah, I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying to dodge this a little bit. but uh, uh, But anyway, hey, Larry, how you doing? Good, Billy. Good. <laughs> hey, are people listening to us right now? Yes, man? they are, Larry. We're we're live and uh, we're 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 cool. All right. So uh, listen. I waiting, no, I was waiting for you. I was waiting for the call on the other phone. That's what happened. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, no. I had I had you on uh, on the hotline here, and uh, I'm you know I had my marker saying yet yeah, he's on, and uh, I go to you, and it's like nobody's there. So I figured, well, let me just ring it back. Maybe maybe it was my end. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm hearing uh, you. Yeah. Who's this? Yeah. I told you not to call here no more. You know, oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Larry, I, I wanted to talk to you, uh, obviously, about the fights from last week. Uh, Deontay Wilder against uh, Bermain Stavern. Um, You know, a, a couple of things about this fight and the aftermath and, and all this stuff. Um, now, now, first of all, you and I have talked about Deontay extensively and, and you know, both pros and cons. 
first and foremost, let's talk about the fight. It only lasted one round. We all could agree that Berman Stavern uh, came there for a payday. But to take a positive, I thought that Deontay looked good in a sense because he did what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to blow away this guy who had no business being in the ring, and he did so. And the other thing I liked, even though it lasted less than three minutes, two minutes and 59 seconds to be exact, he employed the jab, which is something that he hasn't done since the last time he fought Stavern. And it was a crisp jab. I mean, he was popping him good, and he, a classic one-two, um, you know, obviously uh, influenced by uh, Mark Breland. And, you know, he looked good. I, I was kind of impressed, even though I was sick to my stomach about the lack of performance from Stavern. But I inevitably, I, I knew Deontay was going to win this fight. What did you get out of that three minutes? Well, what I, what I got out of it, number one, was that he fought like he was insulted. Okay? He, 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 fought, he fought like the old Deontay Wilder for the short period of time that, that it lasted. And he did what he was supposed to do, especially in light of the fact that I think he realized within the first minute of the fight that this guy was only there for a payday, and it was an insult for him to think, especially after talking all that smack at the uh, press conference and all of the other stuff, to come into the ring knowing that he was only there for a payday against the heavyweight champion of the world. And he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He um, knocked this guy out. He got rid of him because he felt insulted. His whole attitude, Deontay's whole attitude kind of gave me the feeling. Like, you got all of this. You got the nerve to come in here thinking that you can challenge me being out of shape. Okay, you could see that Stavern was totally out of shape and talking all of that smack at the press conference about what he was going to do. So I applaud uh, Deontay Wilder uh, for the performance, even though we know, you know and I know, that it really wasn't much of a challenge. But he did what he was supposed to do. He took care of this guy in short fashion. And if he can continue to perform in that fashion, then I think we end for a terrific fight when he finally um, meets Joshua. I really do. Well, I, I agree that, and, and some people were upset. First of all, Stavern uh, had no business being in the ring, and I agree. You know, he even tried to suggest that he wasn't really overweight that last time he was dehydrated. And I'm like, well, you know, when fighters, I'm saying to myself, yeah, well, when fighters rehydrate, it doesn't look like they uh, haven't passed a buffet line in about two years, you know. So, I, you know, but... Um, and, and even when they were giving him the pre-fight interviews, he, he couldn't even think of anything to say. I mean, this guy clearly wanted to get out of there quick and cash the check. Um, I agree that Wilder was kind of pissed off, but also some of the some of the feel I got from the baited questions and the and the um, and the commentators during the broadcast was was just it just seemed so fishy to me, and it's like you know. I, I just can't stand it. And, and I, Deontay Wilder made a comment that really changed my opinion about Deontay. 
in a in a positive way. Deontay Wilder, I think, Larry, and I know you and I have conflicting opinions of 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 him and how he would do against AJ. But but the one thing I think Deontay is starting to see is that maybe he is being overprotected. And and he deep down believes he's the best. And he made a statement, and I quote, uh, he said, I want to prove that I'm the best. The best is supposed to fight the best. And he says, I want to prove to myself and see if I'm the best. And, you know, I believe that, Larry. I honestly believe that Deontay wants to prove to himself that he's the best the way he thinks. And I applaud that because really, at the end of the day, what else can you expect from a fighter? Well, I agree. I agree with you. And and um, um, I happen to think that Deontay Wilder, okay, is a talented fighter, is a talented heavyweight. If he follows the, the game plan that Mark Breland um, has for him, you know, he's tall, he's linear, Okay, he certainly has power, and everything that he does has to begin with that jab. Okay, I think he's had enough fights now um, to see that that's the formula. Also, you know, I I I have to kind of go back to Joshua's last fight. He, you see, Wilder did what Joshua really didn't do, in my opinion. Yep. Okay, uh, I wasn't overly excited uh, with Joshua's last performance. Uh, I think that um, Joshua kind of, well, he actually kind of let me down in terms of uh, the way I had really gotten real high on this guy. But he should have taken he should have taken that guy out of there uh, with the with the performance he turned in against Klitschko. I was really looking for him to take that guy out of there, and he let him hang around, you know, and I wasn't really that excited about his uh, his, his uh, uh, performance. Now, if Deontay Wilder comes in with this the same type of attitude that he had against Tavern, he brings that attitude and he brings that game plan against Joshua, he may beat Joshua. That's the way I feel at this point. So, you, you know, know, I think we're on the same page when it comes to Deontay. You know, if he keeps De- fighting this way. De- Deontay Wilder, uh, first of all, to, to, to comment on Anthony Joshua and the fight against Carlos Tacom, I, I, I agree, but, I, I, you know, he should have taken care of him quicker. I, the reason that I look at maybe why it gave him more trouble, and I, I don't mean to make an excuse, but I guess I am, uh, is the fact that. And, and and I look at it from the big picture. You know, if you go back to the Klitschko brothers, you see that in the beginning of their reigns, and, you know, it, it was for a long time when you combine the both uh, together, you know, it took them a little while to get used to and proficient in fighting the smaller guy. And after they picked up on it, because every guy that they got in the ring with after a while was several inches, if not a half a foot, shorter than them. And then mm-hmm. as you watch their their careers progress, you see that they started learning how to to throw their punches effectively and downward to a, to a smaller guy. Then all of a sudden, towards the tail end of both their careers, 
they find themselves fighting taller men that are, if not the same size as them, slightly taller. And it took a little time to adjust back to that. Well, that's what I saw with AJ. I saw a guy who's been fighting guys that are big and all of a sudden is put in there with a guy a foot shorter than him. And like he had said, that they don't bring in guys, which I thought was kind of strange. They don't bring in specific guys in sparring. And he was kind of, it looked like it took him a while to adjust. Now, Deontay Wilder has been fighting guys that are smaller than him. And he he looks very fluent when he fights a guy that he has uh, the height advantage over. His punches are downward, etc. I think it's going to be reversed when he steps in there with a guy his same size. I think he's going to struggle well, like the Klitschko's did. That's just my um, way I'm looking well, at it. And and not to make an excuse, but you know here comes the but. Um, you know I, I agree 100. percent Wilder did what he was supposed to do with a guy that didn't deserve to be in the ring with him. And AJ did not, you know. So well, and, and and you know the only the only other little uh, because I I always look for for um, little excuses for guys that I like. So here's the excuse that I gave um, AJ in light of uh, what I considered to be a disappointing um, performance. Sometimes guys just fight to the level of the competition. You know what I mean? So. I says, well, this guy is really not that much of a challenge, so maybe that's that's the problem. You know, he's not he's not really giving him that much of a challenge, so he's fighting to the opponent's level. So we'll have to wait and see. But I I do I do think, based on the last you know the performances of both, I you know the my respect for Deontay Wilder now has gone up a little bit more. I'm kind of back to where I was in the beginning because I was very high on him in the beginning. I kind of lost it a little bit in between because he didn't seem to be, you know, really fighting um, the type of competition. But I think he's got it back now. And if he comes in and he comes behind that jab, I I, I see him giving um, Joshua a lot of trouble. Well, you know, uh, that's a great segue to to my next question. Um, do you think Wilder is at his best right now, Larry? Do you think that that, that uh, so, so you think that there's room for him to improve because it seems to me that the only guy that he has listened to um, Mark Breland in terms of their fight plan was Stavern. Everyone else he goes in to take their head off and at at that time Sometimes he doesn't look as good. Uh, I, I kind of think that what we see with him is what we get. He he, he looked fantastic against Stavern, but Stavern wasn't a willing dance partner. Do you think he's at well, his best, or do you think he can get better? No, I think he can get better because, you know, I, I talked to Mark Brillian. I talked to Mark at, at an affair uh, not long ago, and Mark said what we already what we already think, you know, he says, you know, in training, he listens. Okay, but when he gets in the ring, you know, it's a different story. So if he, you know, he's got to listen to me, you know, and um, uh, we'll see the real guy. And he, and he said, you know, he's got a lot of talent that he's not even showing yet because once he gets in the ring, he, does, he has a tendency not to listen. So what I'm saying is, is that if Mark can really get this guy 
to listen. And I think he can, just based on what we saw last week. I think that there's room for improvement, okay? And maybe not a whole lot because he's not, you know, he's a tall, rangy guy with power. And, you know, guys like that, they have a tendency to rely a lot on their power. And sometimes they shortchange the talent display because they're going for that knockout. But he does show that he has some room for improvement. I mean, I like the way he came back on Severn and kind of did that sidestep and threw that right hand. You know, that shows that there is there is a little bit more in the skill set than just coming straight forward. You know what I mean? And he took him out. He hit him with that right hand because Severn was expecting him to walk straight in, and then that right hand came from the right side, from that side, that step off, and then he banged him with that right hand. I said, there you go. There's a nice move, you know. So I think that there is room for improvement, and I look to see that in the very near future. You know, the only thing that concerns me, Larry, is that the the next if he fights Anthony Joshua, and and, and quite honestly, if his next fight is against Dominic Brazil, I, I think he's gonna I think I think he's gonna be in for a tough night. Uh, I think he beats Brazil because Brazil is just too slow. Uh, but you know this guy uh, is is a tough fighter, and I and you know it'll be interesting to see if uh, Wilder knocks him out because he's got a granite chin, but. You know, assuming, let's just for a minute say that we get the fight we want and Wilder steps in the ring with AJ next, that's quite a jump up in talent level um, from any of his previous fights. And to show that, um, you know, improvement in that leap would be very impressive if he can. In other words, if he can look as good as he looked against Stavern, which, again, we all know that Stavern came to collect a check not that that was Deontay's fault but um I, I mean if Deontay even looks half as good you know he, he could he could upset the apple cart and knock out uh AJ I you know it's just a question of Kenny Kenny look as good as he did against a way better opponent well well Billy you know you can't have it both ways I'm talking about the fighter you can't you can't claim that you're the best there is you can't um, claim that, hey, I want to prove that I'm the best, okay? You either got it or you don't have it. You know what I mean, Billy? You either got it or you don't. So um, he certainly is at that level where I'd like to see him fight Joshua in his next fight. Go right for it. The best should be fighting the best. So he's been promoting himself as the best. Joshua, I'm sure, feels that he's the best, okay? So why, why mess around? You know, and once again, you fight, go right to it, go right to the top guy. If you lose, it doesn't mean that's the end of a career. You're giving the fans what they want to see. You're going to find out for yourself, oh, am I the best heavyweight? Am I the king? You know, that's what this game is all about. So let's get it on, man. You know, I think he's up for the task. And if he's not, okay, then we're going to find out why. And, hey, maybe they'll get a chance to do it again. But I, I'd like to see him go right to Joshua right off of this win. Me too. I, I think that it's time. There's no need to marinate it. They can both make a ton of money. And like you just suggest, 
right. either way, there's a rematch. So uh, they uh, they can't make more money fighting anyone else. I mean, AJ can make the money. He made, you know, he's making tons and tons of money fighting Carlos to come. You know, uh, Deontay's not. Deontay hasn't made two million yet. You know, um, and uh, you know he's he, he he apparently rumor had it he turned down seven million plus the U.S. TV rights, which I think was a mistake. I mean, he could make a ton of money fighting AJ, but we'll see. We're running out of time, but I have to ask you. I, listen, no one likes Sean Porter more than me, but but I, I just want to say this. He is so hard to watch. I, I mean, I, you know, here's a guy that we know is, is not going to all of a sudden become a, 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 a Muhammad Ali boxer, uh, you know, overnight. I mean, he, he's like watching the old cartoon Captain Caveman. You know, he's just throwing punches all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a shame because he's such a nice kid and his and his pops yep. and all of that, but he's hard to watch. But during that fight, the referee Gary Rosado, um, oh my, I, I I don't get it, man. I can't stand these referees that and and Gary Rosado and and Al Bernstein who never talks ill of anyone. It's one of the biggest pet peeves. I, I know. It's one of the biggest problems I have with Al. You know, I mean, he's so nice. He never says anything about, you know, he never calls it like it is sometimes, like what really what everybody's thinking. But he couldn't contain himself. Gary Rosado, yep. in the beginning of that fight, was pushing and shoving Sean Porter. And as the fight developed, he switched and was pushing and shoving Granados. It almost reminded me... Of of uh, uh, what's his name there? Our buddy who uh, kisses people in, in in the fight and slaps them around when he has a a, a a favorite. What was your thoughts on Gary Rosado's performance? Well, I thought I thought well exactly what you said. Okay, okay, much to be desired. And the reason he switched, I'm willing to bet you he switched because he heard Al Bernstein's comments. Okay. And how many times have you heard me say that these guys are more concerned? Many, many, not everybody. But a lot of times these guys play to those commentators because they want to go home and watch the replay and listen to how great they are, okay? That's the sad part about some of these referees um, of this modern uh, or the, of this, this era, this generation. They want to go home and listen about how great they are, okay? And he switched up his tactics because he heard Al Bernstein, because he did it right after. Right after he started, you know, he went from one to the other. And as far as Sean Porter is concerned, I'm like you. He is so hard to watch, but he's just a tough little kid that comes in. He's such a nice guy. And him and his father, you know, they are kind of, like they make mockery of this this belief that father son teams don't work. I mean, I've never seen a father son team as as close as him and his dad, and it's a great it's great to see that. But you know, he used to be a football player, uh, um, Billy, and that's the way he fights. Yep. You know, he fights like like a lineman. You know what I mean? And he throws a whole bunch of punches. The punches are not always that accurate, but he does enough to win, and he's tough as hell. So, you know, and I'm sure he's awkward being in there with him. You know what I mean? He's one of those awkward type of guys who are very difficult to fight, okay? And so, 
you know, as long as he wins, you know, that's great for him. He's a great guy. He seems like a very nice kid. And, and I've talked to him, and he seems like a very nice guy. And that's, you know, what you see is what you're going to get. I don't think there's going to be any change in his style or anything of that nature. You know, but I'm like you. He is so difficult to watch. You know, but he wins, and as long as he wins, he deserves to be in there. You know, he's uh, he's well-conditioned, too. I mean, he goes nonstop like that Absolutely. for the full round. But, you know, I, I always said – I think the best thing that could have happened to Sean Porter and his pops, and I agree with you, it's so hard to have a father-son uh, boxer-trainer relationship, but I think that, and, and it, it's too far gone now, but I think earlier in his career, several years ago, I think they should have brought in a guy like Buddy McGirt to not yes. to replace his father, but to help his father because Buddy McGirt yep. understands that relationship but he's a hell, of, a hell of a lot more knowledgeable about boxing than Sean's father. And again, no disrespect to Sean's father because he's taken this kid to world championship level, a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. But he, he'll be the first to admit that he learned about boxing on the job, training his son, you know. And I think it shows. I think, I think that wild linebacker tactic, like you say, you know, is, is the most he can take him. He can't – it's like when you have a – if your if your kid is a, a a baseball player or a football player and, and the father coaches him all the way up, there comes a time when he has to hand him off to that next level, the college level, the high school level, the pro level, where you just know, hey, there's somebody better than me, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, keep uh, keep my kid down. I want him to get the best opportunity, and that's something that I feel they should have done earlier on. It's too late now, in my opinion. It, too late. Yeah, you can't. Now, it is what it is now, you know. But uh, but when you when you think about the potential fight between Porter and Keith Thurman, which is the mandatory now, a rematch, I don't think it's going to be any different. I'd r much rather see uh, Thurman fight Errol Spence or, or someone else, you know. And, and it's, it's a yeah. shame, and I feel guilty because, like you said, Porter keeps winning, and he's earned the spot. But it's not going to be any different. No, and you, you're absolutely right. It's not going to be any different. Um, I think the result is going to be the same, and uh, it is what it is, you know. So we have to live with that. And that's a very important thing. Uh, you made a good point that his dad, you know, if his, his dad could have stepped, stepped aside and got him a guy like Buddy McGirt or someone, Buddy would have been a good fit for him too, and I know the reason why. Um, you say buddy, you know, but um, it's too late now. So, you know, you just have to live with it. I'm glad the kid has made him to this point, it seems, from the fights that he's had. I'm sure he's, you know, made himself a nice little piece of money. Him and his dad have had a great relationship, but I think it's a little too late now. So it is what it is, and, you know, that's where it's going to go till the end anyway. Right, right. You know, it's uh, they are good for the sport uh, because of their tight relationship, and I'm sure he didn't, you know, the money that he has made, they've been smart with it and uh, all the positive things. And he's a good, you know, he's a good ambassador for the sport. I, I just, I guess I'm not really being critical. I'm being, I, I wish he could have gotten more. That, that's that's my point, you know. I, I, I wish he could obtain more, you know. Uh, but you never know. Uh, you know, he does have some pop. But he's like lightning, not hand speed. He does punches don't land in the same spot twice. And if they could, 
maybe he does beat a guy like Thurman or or you know a, a true fighter, you know, a boxer. But uh, but we'll have to wait mm-hmm. and see. But anyway, hey, listen, Larry, I appreciate the time, and uh, I'm glad you finally realized who was on the phone with you. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll <laughs> we'll look forward to next week, brother. Okay, Billy. Okay. Have a good one, man. You too, Billy. All right, take care. That's uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard uh, giving us his thoughts on uh, Deontay Wilder. Listen, we all agree on one thing. Deontay Wilder against AJ has to happen, and it should be the next fight to happen. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, Sal Rocky Santacola will join me, and uh, we're going to be talking about this baby guy. Baby. No, not baby Joe Macy. If you don't know who I'm talking about, well, you haven't been watching the sport enough. We're talking about Baby Miller. We'll be back in two. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyZBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, speaking of being with us, joining us right now again is Sal Rocky Senecola. What's up, Sal? Billy, how are you, buddy? Oh, not too bad. Get that headset on, David. Get that on. Come on. We're all watching you now. But, I feel uh, like out of here. Uh, yeah, yeah, Unbelievable. How's yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you felt kind of lightheaded, huh? But uh, any, anyway, let's get people caught up uh, yes. on some uh, other scores and other sports, I should say, uh, and the scoreboard. In college football last night, Miami of Ohio beat Akron 24-14. Buffalo beat Bowling Green 38-28. In a couple of uh, college games in the NBA, the Cavaliers beat the Bucks one twenty four to one nineteen. The Pelicans, I just don't, you know, the Pelicans just doesn't sound like a basketball team name. I, no, I don't know. it doesn't. It's they, due to Flames. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll get to them, but uh, you know, the the Pelicans sound like a, you know like a fishing tournament. But anyway, the Pelicans uh, outlast the or Pacers. A yeah, yeah. Or outlast the they outlast the Pacers one seventeen one twelve. The Mavericks uh, topped the Wizards 113.99. The Knicks beat the Hornets 118-113. The Raptors over the Bulls 119-114. Uh, the Spurs beat the Clippers 120-107. The Nuggets topped my Nets 112-104. Nets are terrible. Uh, the 76... 70- what is it with my Ets? All my Ets you, teams are terrible. Your Nets, your Nets, your... I, I tell you, come over to the other side. Nah, nah, the Yankees got, and the Giants. Well, yeah, the Giants, I wouldn't brag about. Well, we, you know I, What's <laughs> wrong with you? Stay on the Giants. Yeah, right? what's wrong with you? Obviously, you don't follow the sport. But anyway, 76 is 104 <laughs> to Jazz 97. The Kings topped the Thunder 94-86. And the Grizzlies beat the Trailblazers 98-97 in the Hockey League. That would be the National Hockey League. The Sabres topped the Capitals 3-1. to one. The Blues over the Devils 3-1. to one. The Oilers beat my Islanders 2-1 to one in overtime. The Penguins topped the Coyotes 3-1. to one. The Hurricanes beat the Panthers 3-1. to one. The Predators over the Blue Jackets 3-1. to one. The uh, Canadiens over the Golden Knights of Vegas 3-2. to two. The Kings beat the Ducks 4-3 to three in overtime. And the Canucks 
beat those flames, Sally. They beat those flames. Five to three. And uh, that gets everybody caught up uh, in uh, other sports. Uh, so moving right along. What's the matter, Sal? What's <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, what? You don't like? No, I'm, just, you, I'm just doing my impression. You, you, you don't like the Calgary Flames? You don't like the Flames? No, Come I on. love the Flames. I, Come I, I on. Think they're, they're great competitors. The Cal the Calgary Flames. They they put they, a they burn they the put wind. an arse whipping on you. They go right <laughs> after your arse. Let me tell you, those Flames. But uh, anyway, that's terrible, Sal. Don't don't even. Come on. What do you? What do you I think you're taking it the wrong way. I'm not way. laughing. I, I think you're taking it the wrong way. But anyway, I, I, I uh, just, you know, hey, changing the go. subject, which we should yes. do quickly. Um, uh, <laughs> big Jarrell, big baby Miller, uh, is uh, a heavyweight fighter, which uh, everybody's heard of. He's 19 and 0 with a draw, with 17 knockouts, and this is a guy that really likes to talk smack, Sal. I mean, yes, he does, big time, big time. And although we're going to break down the, the fights and give you our predictions uh, on Friday, um, you know, I can't. Now, he he's fighting this weekend. HBO has uh, a uh, uh, a triple header coming our way Saturday night, um, culminating with the main event, Daniel Jacobs against uh, Luis Arias, which we were talking about earlier. But the co-main event is Jarrell Miller against Maurice Wack. And Maurice Wack is a, you know, he's not a, he's not a world beater fighter, but but he he's been around, and you know he's uh, he's had some uh, uh, decent fights, uh, decent wins, etc. Um, now, leading up to the fight, Baby Miller had a lot to say, like he usually does. So so here's his quote. He says, "Wack is going to be just another guy that I'm going to crush." Come Saturday night, everyone's going to know what I'm capable of doing. I'm bringing a whole different kind of big baby, a whole different kind of animal, a whole different kind of look. I've always beat people on plan A. I don't even have to go to our plan B, but then I'm going to pull out all the tricks out of the hat so I can show people what a real heavyweight looks like with the skills I have. Nobody moves like me in the heavyweight division. My ring IQ is definitely unbeatable, and on Saturday... You're going to see a different style of big baby, and it's going to be fun. I am the big baby, but I'm going to give him the pacifier and put him in the crib. Um, you know what bothers me about what bothers me about Miller is a lot of things. All right, a lot of things bother me about this guy. When you look at Jarrell Miller, um, he's 29 years old. You look at his record, he's 19-0 and 0 with one draw. 17 of his wins have come by knockout. His draw came early uh, in his career uh, in his fifth fight against Doe Joey DeWedgeco. All right, now, no disrespect to Joey. I, I've traveled with him, and I've called several of his fights, and he's a tough kid, and realistically, Joey DeWedgeco should be in a different weight class. He's... You know, as a heavyweight, um, he's just too short. But he fought a four-round fight at the Mohegan Sun against Jarrell Miller back in 2013, and it was a draw. Since then, Jarrell Miller has really fought no one. I look at his resume, 
and I see no names that, that stick out. Now, he did fight and stop a guy, XL Holmes, uh, in one round scheduled for six in 2015. And I mentioned XL Holmes. You're going to look at his record and say, oh, come on, Billy C. What do you mention his name? This was a guy that's been in there really tough. Um, and and Miller made quick work of him. I give him credit out of his 20 pro fights. I give him credit for two wins against good opposition. Donovan Dennis was 12-2 and two when he fought Jarrell Miller. Marilla, uh, uh, Miller got a TKO, uh, seventh-round TKO victory over Donovan Dennis. The only reason why I even mentioned Donovan Dennis is because if you recall, Sal, Donovan Dennis was uh, the guy that uh, ended up uh, doing well in the ESPN heavyweight tournament. So I, I give him credit for that. Um, and then the next guy I give him credit for was his last fight against Gerald Washington, who he stopped uh, in eight rounds when Washington couldn't come out uh, to continue. But for the most part, these two guys exchanged uh, a lot of punches, and both were hurt, and Gerald Washington's corner decided to pack it in. Um, this guy has no business shooting off his mouth the way he does, but yet he has somehow finagled a number 12 ranking in the world by the computer. I look at him at six foot four. You know what he weighed for his last fight against Gerald Washington? No, but I'd like to hear you tell me. How about just shy of three hundred big ones? That's two, why he's a baby. Two nine, two know. nine, yeah, baby Huey. Two ninety eight and three quarters. Two ninety eight and three quarters. That's a heavy guy. He weighed two hundred and eighty three pounds in, in a year ago against uh, Nick Kubiaz. And, and so you're adding 15 and three-quarter pounds, and then he's trying to tell us that he's going to display his boxing ability to us. I was just going to say, you know, hey. I, I mean, what? You know, because he can throw down a donut faster than anybody? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, and the sad part about Jarrell Miller, Sal, is that he's going to get himself a shot. You watch. He's going to get himself oh, a shot. Oh, a shot. I mean, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, he's six foot four. He could be in better shape. I mean, he's not doing he's not doing himself solid by coming in that heavy. Well, no, and and you know it's a shame because, like I said, these guys, if they think they can market themselves and leverage themselves with words, and the gullible sanctioning bodies or publics are, are public are are going to pay for the tickets to help raise the funds to pay these guys. Like I said, it's a vicious cycle, Bill. I mean, is he one of the best of the bad? I mean, his record is impressive. They're going to put him out there. And uh, until he gets deflated by somebody who's real, uh, I, I think he's got to wake up and he'll smell the roses when he's when he's on a canvas. And uh, the bottom line is he needs to fight a significant fight uh, of a contendership uh, to see how truly good and sweet science is applied from his twinkle toes ability to outbox his opponent. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. you you got to come in the ring. you got to look like you're going to be a fighter and you're going to have an effort to do so. I mean, it's, it's a shame. It's just a slap in the face. I mean, listen, there have been heavy fighters in the past. Yes, that have there done have like two ton Tony, two, Like a guy that comes to mind back in Joe Lewis days, uh, two-ton Tony Galento. Tony Galento, uh, five was, foot seven. You know, was a guy that, you know, uh, he didn't get the nickname two-ton because he was chiseled, you know, but but he was oh. a tough guy. Even Tim Witherspoon uh, at one point in his career was a little heavy. Greg Page was, was always a, 
you know, uh, overweight, uh, you know, two uh, former world champions. Um, So, so, uh, you know, to criticize um, Baby Miller uh, just for being a fat slob like I I seem to be um, probably (laughs) isn't fair. But what I judge, and, you know, this is what I do with all fighters, is I judge their body of work. You know, um, you know the truth of the matter is, is he he hasn't beaten anyone to justify his his lip, and he steps in the ring with Maurice Walk on Saturday night. Um, you know, Maurice Walk is no world beater either, but he's three and a half inches taller. He's four inches. His arm reach is four and a half four inches longer. Uh, he's ranked at number twenty by the computer, mm-hmm. and he's eight years older. The thing that Walk Walk is going to represent, I think, for Miller, is what it's going to be like for him to fight a guy that's six foot seven plus. You know, Jarrell uh, Miller, although he's a monster f- compared to you and I at six foot four, giving up three and a half inches and then four inches for bigger guys or whatever, is a big difference, don't you think? Oh yeah, it is. But like I said. If you're a seasoned pro, you make anything negative, you turn it into a positive. That's how you learn to to fight and to do it and to make the adjustments. It's like uh, like I said, I, I felt much become more comfortable going in the ring knowing my opponent was four to six inches taller and, and he's got the longer arms and everything else. I, that was my comfort zone. I could fight anybody taller. I loved it. And um, uh, so I don't know, but that, that's because I was used to fighting guys taller like that from the amateur days. So – so you learn. And, you know, I had some trouble when I fought guys my own size. And like Larry Hazard was saying, like I also said the other night, you know, you, you kind of sometimes fight the level of the opposition that you're in the ring with. And uh, so we'll see. I, I think Babyface, got, hey, he's got an opportunity and, uh, to, to make a statement. And uh, he's going to be in a ring with a bigger guy. And, and uh, this guy's no walkover either. So uh, I think it should be a good fight, good, interesting contest. Well, when you take a look at Wok, you know, um, not only is he three and a half inches taller and has a four-inch reach advantage, um, he's got a pretty impressive record, 33 wins, 17 by knockout, and only two losses, in which he was stopped one time, and that was against Alexander Povetkin back in 2015. Um, His last fight, was against Erkan Tepper, who is arguably better than any fighter that uh, Jarrell Baby Miller has faced. The other thing I give Wok a little uh, credit for, he is a former world uh, title challenger. He went 12 rounds with Klitschko. Wow. So now you say to yourself, because wow. I always question the, th- the chin of Wok. Um, and I saw Maurice Wok live knock out Kevin McBride. I thought he killed Kevin McBride. I mean, Kevin McBride went down. They carried him out with oxygen and on a stretcher and everything else. Um, I was ringside for that fight, and uh, you know he he uh, you know he he definitely has uh, the skill set, um, but he's thirty seven years old, eight years older. Uh, he's got way more mileage on him. He's got one hundred and forty nine more rounds than than Jarrell Miller. And his significant wins, Urkan Temper is one. And uh, the other guy I give him credit for, although he was a shell of himself, I, I still think he's, 
he's still a tough guy, even though he's there just for the uh, for the paydays now. Was Travis Walker? Travis Walker at one time was uh, was a really uh, good fighter. Not so much now. Um, and uh, but 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 the difference is Walker has beaten guys like that. Jarrell Miller has not even stepped in the ring with those kinds of guys, you know. And and I think I think this is going to be a good test for Miller. My question is, I do. If Miller wins this fight, like he's expected to, on Saturday night against Walk, who by the way had served a uh, uh, a su- suspension for uh, guess what, you know, uh, illegally taking performance enhancing drugs, but um. Should Baby Miller beat this guy, uh, like many are expecting, does that justify giving Miller a, a, a shot? Before before the last time you were on, we were talking about the heavyweights. We we're talking about AJ. We we're talking about uh, Deontay Wilder being the top two heavyweights in in the world today. Um, you know, we were talking about potential showdown. Joseph Parker in the mix. Pavetkin. You know, is Baby Miller? Should he get by Walk? Is he a guy? that we should be talking about when we talk about that next level. When you take AJ and Deontay out of the mix, you know, we all agree that they're the top two heavyweights in the world today. And then that next level, the Luis Ortiz, the Alexander Povetkins, you know, um, uh, even Dominic Brazil or, or Joseph Parker, all those next level. Does Jarrell Miller fit in there or is he the tier below that? What's your thoughts? If he does win, if he looks impressive, I think he's scratching that surface of that next level, and I think he's got to face one of those guys to see if he can establish and prove himself to earn to be included on that next level. Uh, I think he's right on the fringe. This is a make or bake, make or see bake. I'm thinking about food. This is a so make is he. Or break. So is he, Sal. He's thinking <laughs> so about that's food. Why I, was, I was going along that line. This is a make or break. This is a very, very significant fight for him. And I think it will direct the future of his career one way or the other. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think he's got a great opportunity, and uh, we'll see what happens. But so does Wack. Wack's got a good opportunity, too. He's no slouch. So I think it's going to be a competitive, very good fight. And Styles should make this fight happen. And I always like to see a shorter guy in with a taller guy and how they approach each other. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I just hope uh, Maurice Wack doesn't come in dressed as a donut or a sandwich or something because then <laughs> yeah. uh, Baby Miller's going to start taking bites out of him. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I, listen, maybe M- Miller isn't doing himself justice. And, and that's another question I have for you. I mean, these fighters that let themselves, especially heavyweight, you know, a heavyweight fighter isn't isn't subjected to weight issues in terms of needing to make weight and stuff like that. And they pretty much can eat whatever the hell they want. And, you know, if the guy's doing road work, uh, which you've got to assume he is, and he's, you know, uh, in shape in, in a sense where, you know, um, uh, you know he's got his wind, uh, he can go the distance, etc., and he's 300 pounds, I guess you can't really complain, you know. Uh, but then I ask myself, well, how good could he be if he was a little more serious and watched what he ate and maybe trimmed down to a lean, mean, you know, 275 or something, you know. I mean, remember, he's six foot, he's six foot four. You know, Anthony Joshua and Klitschko, and, and, I mean, I'm not going to mention Deontay because Deontay's kind of light for a six foot seven guy. I mean, he's he's two twenty, you know. But you're looking at a guy, 
and Anthony Joshua is 250, 240. Uh, you know, Lennox Lewis, same size, 6'5", 6'6", 240. You know, uh, Klitschko, 240, 250. You know, and then you look at a guy 6'4", who's 300, who's, who's 280, 283 and change. I, I mean, you know, is he doing himself justice by letting himself get that fat? No, I mean, come on, you know, you're supposed to be a lean, mean fighting machine, you know, and... and you know, you just feel better. You, you feel a little lighter. You feel more supple. You feel more agile. You can do things. You can move. Your mobility's better. I mean, like I said a long time ago, Bill, you know, you decide and you're in a position to become a professional fighter. You've got to be able to commit at least the first three, four years of your life to make it and sustain it and to get into contention and to get a title shot. you got to look at a three- or four-year career. If you get that far, then you've got to take, I mean, you've got to do the right things. You've got to eat the right food. Food, when you really understand nutrition, food is the fuel for your body. The old saying, you are what you eat. Well, if you're going to make a diet full of cupcakes and sweets and some protein, you know, that's like I always say, I, uh, I was religious about my diet and my food and what I ate because I wanted to have a maximum performance without doing any illegal drugs. And I had uh, that, that book, Eat to Win, by Dr. Robert Haas. I'm not plugging it, am I? Uh, you know, I had my, my fuel mixture, 70% complex carbs, 20% protein, 10% fat. That's what I lived by. That's what I did. And that's why I was able to make a comeback four years ago. I don't, I don't do anything outside that's too extreme for too long. I, and neither should any professional fighter or athlete when they can commit to a couple of years of their life and they're getting the money and they're getting the chance to be something special. They should look to do the right things for their own fortune and their sake. And then when they're there on that level, do what works for you. Behave what you should act like you should and uh, eat the right food because the food you eat is the fuel for your body tomorrow. Well, I guess Baby Miller likes to eat, you know, cake and donuts and, you know. Well, uh, we don't know. I mean, this guy could be on a complex carbohydrate diet eating baked potatoes all day, which is, you know, not as bad as the cupcakes. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I, I, but, but, yeah, bottom line is he should have some respect for himself and come in a ring at a, at a pretty agile uh, maximum, optimum uh, weight for him to be able to, to be – uh, able to go to the dentist and be a good fighter. You sure he hasn't been hanging around Sal's uh, Italian restaurant and you've been stuffing you know, this fat bastard? Yeah, you know, we've had some some uh, familiar-looking faces coming by the restaurant. I tell you what. I mean, uh, I, what aggravates me, it is what it is, his weight. If he feels comfortable waddling around at 300, that's fine. Um, but, you know, the truth of the matter is, is what aggravates me is that his mouth has gotten him even even ranks ranked in the computer? I'm always pro computer ranking, and here I I think that somehow he, you know, beat the system. There's nobody on his resume that suggests that he's uh, ranked uh, uh, as high as the computer sees him at, and and I I don't understand that. Ranked at number twelve in the world is the heavyweight division that sad that Jarrell Baby Miller is number twelve in the world based on his resume. I mean, even well, Locke, and that's good. He, he, what I was going to say is even Walk has a better resume, and he's down to number twenty. You know, he, he's well, he's eight spots lower. The O, it's the O. 
the O has some significant value in the ranking system. And uh, I'm not saying it should. I'm not saying it shouldn't. But they should really cross-reference and see who he has really beat of, uh, of value and, uh, and rate him by those merits. Um, it is what it is. And, you know, do I think he's top five of the world? No. I don't think he's in that mix yet. Do I think he can get there? I don't know what's in his heart of hearts. I don't know. All I know, all I know is, you know, he's, he's in a position uh, to move up and to, to move up readily fast after this fight coming this weekend. If he does well, he looks respectable, looks good. He's going to be up there in the mix, just on the fringe, and that's the way it works. Listen, we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, it's that time again. It's uh, time to stump your ass. Well, because we've been stumping all the asses in the last few days. I'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, uh, it's that time again. Hey, hey Sal, you know, I, I want to ask you. <clears throat> excuse me. I want to ask you. Do you think I should give the boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen and children of all ages Another major hint on this question that's got everybody stumped? Or you think I should put it on hold and ask a new question? The, the, the ball is in your hands, my man. You know what? I want somebody to get this answer right. And in a world of uh, Google and BoxRec and everything else, we've got to have somebody that wants to take the time and the effort to come up and Win the hundred thousand? No, would you promise? <laughs> I no, promised them. I, I promised them your restaurant. I, they get to win your restaurant. Okay, so okay, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe I'll give. Hey, maybe I'll give a meal. They get this question right. I'll give a meal. Well, I'll buy them a meal. There you go. I, I they, there you, you go. You, you come down and see. You see Papa Sal. No, I Listen, I'll tell you what. You, 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 come and see me. Sal, you come and see me. I will buy you a pizza, a salad, an appetizer, calamari, and a dessert of your choice. Go for the cannolis, boys and girls. But listen, the cannolis. I, 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 Sal just sweetened the pot. So here's, here's the question. The question is, and if you're the first one to email me, the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. The same email address that you send your questions, comments, concerns. And uh, if you take the time to email us, we'll take the time to read it. So I'm going to give you the question with some hints. And if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, not only will you win the title belt championship computer game, but you got a full meal at Sal's. Uh, pizzeria and Italian restaurant in St. Simon's Island whenever you get there. And uh, you just and heard Billy will give you, we'll email you my cell phone number You to call me. You let me know when you're coming in. Jo- we'll Joel, the, Joel, the Joel, Joel wants your cell phone number. He's still waiting for a shirt. But uh, anyway. You know what? I got to look in my feet and get his address because I do have a shirt for him. Listen, and I've got some sizes for him. Here's the question. Um, 
Who did Jack Dempsey say was the greatest fighter of his weight and height he ever saw? And by the way, I want to—I just want to give uh, a kudos. You, you know, I've—I got a uh, email and I, and I apologize. I, I did not uh, uh, write down the the, the uh, listener's name, but I got an email and he was—he just emailed to thank me, saying how much time that he spent trying to get the answer to this. And he says he learned so much more about Jack Dempsey, uh, but he couldn't find the answer. And he wanted to thank me for giving him something to do to research. So uh, I want to thank That's him for good. sharing that with me. So don't think that the uh, listeners, Sal, are, are not uh, trying their hardest with, uh, with modern technology. But the question is, who did Jack Dempsey say was the greatest fighter of his weight and height he ever saw? Well, here's a bunch of hints, and I'm going to give you one at the end that should should seal it for somebody okay now remember you got to be the first and we're not doing a live show tomorrow so um good luck the hints are this fighter that jack dempsey said was the greatest fighter of his weight and height he ever saw fought and was completely done with his career prior to 1965 this was not a heavyweight he was a former world champion his first and last name has the same letter. And here's the big hint. Here's the big hint. Either either his first or last name, one of the two, is a creature that lives in the water for its entire life. It's a creature that lives in its in the water for its entire life. That's it. No more hints. <laughs> if you guys don't get it right, and Man, and, 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 I, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest. If somebody asked me this question, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even have. I wouldn't even know to begin where to begin, and neither would Sal. So uh, trust me, this is not like uh, you know we're walking encyclopedias and we know this. This is a Henry Haskup question. He loves to stump you. And he's stumping us all right now. He's so, stumping the heck of us. And, so, and, and so Henry, if, I mean, he 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 knows it. He is a wealth of knowledge. So, if you uh, are the first one to email me this uh, correct answer, you'll win uh, not only uh, your own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, but you'll also get yourself a full meal at Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant. So, uh, good luck to everybody on that. Okay, on this day, November eighth in boxing history, in nineteen ninety seven. Uh, Vander Holyfield knocks out Michael Mora in the eighth round to regain the, the IBF World Heavyweight title. It took place in uh, Las Vegas. Michael Mora did a few rounds at South. Oh no, 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 he didn't. But uh, anyway, uh, also yeah, he was at the pizzeria. <laughs> Michael Mora, good man. He, yeah. you know, he's the culinary chef. I said that once before. Yeah, he's he's he was ready to go a couple of rounds in the parking lot. But uh, on this day in 1997, <laughs> Emmanuel Mayfield yeah. wins oh. a 12 round decision. You know, Sal. <laughs> You know, there are a lot of things that people miss out when they come to our events. You know, I mean, and uh, some are good and some not so good. But uh, anyway, on this day in 1997, Emmanuel Mayfield wins a 12-round decision over Uriah Grant to win the IBF World Cruiserweight title, and that took place in Las Vegas. On this day in 1997, uh, Fabricio Tizio wins a 12-round decision over Nate Miller to win the WBA World Cruiserweight title. It took place uh, in... Uh, uh, Las Vegas. On this day in 2003, Roy Jones Jr. wins a 12-round decision over Antonio Tarver uh, to regain the WBC and retain the World Light Heavyweight title took place in Vegas. And on this day, uh, November 8th in uh, 1913, 
Lou Ambers, uh, former world champion and Hall of Famer, uh, and incidentally, Rocky Marciano's idol was born on this day in 1913. And another guy, another all-time great Hall of Famer, uh, this guy, an all-time great heavyweight, in 1868 was born, and that's Joe Chawinski. So that's what took place on this day uh, in boxing history. And uh, I tell you guys, uh, like I said, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow, uh, but fear not, we will return on Friday. We'll be back better than ever. We will be giving you our breakdowns and predictions of uh, the big fight scheduled for this weekend. We'll also get you caught up to date on uh, all of the uh, happenings in boxing as well as some other sports that take place because we'll be following up Thursday night uh, football. And uh, we'll be waiting. We'll maybe, maybe we'll have a, a, an announcement of our trivia question winner. So we'll uh, wait to see what happens there. But I will tell you this. Make sure you tune in Thursday morning. Friday morning. Make sure you... Not Thursday. No, no. Check that. Take two. Make sure you tune in Friday morning. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na